Welcome to Ask the Tech Coach, brought to you by the TeacherCast Educational Network. If you are in charge of professional development and looking to build an innovative digital learning experience, this is the podcast for you. Join us each week as we uncover strategies that tech coaches are using to drive their digital transformations one classroom at a time. And now for your host, with over two decades of experience working with tech coaches and edtech companies from all around the world, Jeff Bradbury. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the TeacherCast Educational Network. My name is Jeff Bradbury. Thank you so much for joining us today and making TeacherCast your home for professional development. This is Ask the Tech Coach podcast, episode number 148. And with me, as always, is my co-host, Sue Vincent. Sue, how are you today? Welcome back to Ask the Tech Coach. I am great, and summer is definitely flying by as we head into August coming up and heading into a new school year. It's time to get our head back together and in the game and move forward. Time to get our head back in the game. Time to start looking forward. Congratulations out there. If you are listening to the show for the first time, perhaps you're a new tech coach looking to see what's going on. We've got some great shows coming up to you. Next week, we're going to be talking all about those things that you want to do when you're first starting out. As, you're, as a tech coach, things that you want to do when you're first going into your school. Don't miss that because I'm sure everybody out there is going, oh, my goodness, it's August. What do I do? We're going to be talking all about that next week and then celebrating in the following week our 150th anniversary. we got a lot of great things going on here at the show. And, of course, if you're interested in checking out more about our show, you can head on over to askthetechcoach.com. Poke on around. We are at 148 episodes of this, plus a ton of blog posts, freebie things, and lots of great stuff. Plus, don't forget to sign up for our free membership site, our TeacherCast Tech Coaches Network. We have got a ton of great things going on, and we'll continue throughout this course. But today, Sue, we are talking about the business of coaching and how to be compassionate. And we've got yes. two great guests on the program today, a longtime friend of myself and also the TeacherCast Educational Network. I want to bring on my friend, Miss Kathy Perrette. Kathy, how are you today? Welcome back to TeacherCast. It is so nice to see you. I am great. Thanks for having us. I, I think I was on a long time ago and always enjoy your stories and always enjoy what's going on with your life. I am looking forward to hearing what's been going on with you today. And you just released a brand new book about compassionate coaching. And I want to also introduce your co-host today, Mr. Kenny McKee. Kenny, how are you today? Welcome to the show. I'm great. Thank you for having us on. Yeah, we're really excited to be here and to talk about coaching and our book a little too. Well, tell us a little bit about yourself, Kenny. Where do you come from? What's your background? How did you get here? I'm a high school literacy and instructional coach in Asheville, North Carolina. Um, this will be, I'm just last year, I just finished up my 11th year as a coach. So I'm a veteran compared to a lot of coaches out there. Um, and uh, before that, I taught uh, middle school and high school English language arts. Very nice. Kathy, what has been going on with you in the last couple of years? Tell us a little bit about who Kathy Perrett is. Well, I have retired from full time. Um, the full-time job. And now I do my private consulting and virtual coaching of coaches and school leaders. Um, I also work with the uh, virtual coaches at SIBME. Um, and so we're able to provide coaches for teachers and administrators and instructional coaches. So um, anything coaching, that's what I'm doing. Now, Kathy, you and I have been talking coaching for a long, <laughs> long time. 
You know, this is our 148th episode of this show. You and I have been talking about coaching since before this ever came up. And you are doing something on Wednesday nights at 8 p.m. Talk to us a little bit about that Twitter chat that you've got going. Well, this is actually we turn 10 um, Mm. at the end of July, or we turn 10, I guess. Um, And so we have been meeting every Wednesday night on Twitter at 8 o'clock Central Standard Time, 9 Eastern. And we talk anything coaching using the hashtag EduCoach. Certainly check out that Twitter chat. It is a good one. It is one I've been following for the last 10 years. I got to tell you, it was one of the inspirations for starting all of this coaching stuff up. And, you know, if you're going to be listening to this coming up in the next school year, you have the eight o'clock edu coach chat and at 8 30 we're probably going to be doing our tech coach uh round table meetings at 8 30 so make wednesday your tech coach night we would love to have you guys join us and coaching it's evolved a lot hasn't it talk to us a little bit about this you know if i was to ask you guys who or what is a coach and and if i say the word tech coach or if i say the word we're we're just going to use these terms kind of intermittently here but but can you guys clearly define after 10 years, what is a coach? <laughs> yeah, me that's neither. A, that's a great question because <laughs> it, it often looks different from place to place. But, you know, I, I usually talk about um, that, that I'm a teacher that's working alongside other teachers to support the student learning in their classes. And we have uh I have a different set of skills from the the teacher in the classroom. So, for example, with high school, I work in high school, you know, I am probably not the best uh, teacher of AP statistics. For example, I work with teachers that teach math. However, I have some expertise in literacy and helping kids learn vocabulary and navigate complex texts and also have some skills in helping out with assessment. And we're going to put those two sets of skills together to try to reach the best outcomes for students. That's a great I love that connection. I, that, I've used that one. Yeah, I've used yeah. that one many times, I think, on a prior episode. So, I, so yes, I, great I, connection. I like that. I'm a teacher that helps support other teachers. I, I think that's a very succinct, very, you know, very, very tight sentence on that. That's a lot better than saying, well, <laughs> I don't do I don't do lesson plans and um, I'm happy to help you. And I do tech stuff. Right. It's different. Right. So one of the things that we talk a lot about on here is defining that role of a coach, defining what it is, you know, tech coach, literacy coach, math coach, who is this other human that gets paid to roam the hallways until they're called upon or is is paid to run meetings? If we're defining a a coach as a teacher who helps other teachers, by the way, I like that, by the way, Um, (laughs) I should put that on the top of the website. What does a coach do how does a coach start to work with their teachers right it's the beginning of the year we're gonna have a lot of new coaches walking into classrooms you're gonna have a lot of new coaches being introduced or the position of a coach being introduced by the principal when a principal says this is kenny he does something we've struggled with this one for years guys what what is the ending of that sentence hi this is kenny here's your coach he's going to be doing what what should that principal be saying 
Well, I mean, that's a great question. And, and I'm in a unique situation as in I employed by the district and I work in three different high schools. So principals might say all different types of things. So I leave it to mm. me to do the introductions of what <laughs> I do. I think that's usually the safest and the most accurate description. And, you know, for me, a lot of my work is I use a digital coaching menu um, that I give. I send out to teachers pretty early in the school year. If I don't have an opportunity to see everyone face to face again, like I said, I'm sharing time between multiple schools. And the nice thing about the coaching menu is it teaches them my job. It lays out what I do and how I can work with them. Um, so it, it's really helpful. And it also it makes those first meetings because the teachers already told me some things they want to work on with their students a lot less awkward because uh, you don't just show up and not know what you're getting ready to do for the next 30 minutes or an hour. You, you actually can come into the room and say, hey, I noticed that you want to work with students on this and you prefer to work together in this way. Um, Kathy and I talk a lot about our coaching cycles and coaching cycles we see is the heart of a coach's work. Coaches are tasked to do with a lot of many different things, but, but really the deepest work usually is happening within the coaching cycles. I don't well, know if Kathy you wants to say more about that. <laughs> uh, well, exactly. I mean, coaching cycles are the heart of the work and, uh, there are many cycles to, uh, Use. I mean, we've got Jim Knight's impact cycle. We've got Diane Sweeney's student-centered coaching. Uh, all of those models basically have about the same elements, and we outline them in the book as well as far as, you know, setting some goals. And like with Kenny's uh, menu, it, the teacher can already kind of think about the goals already of what she might want to do or he might want to do. Um, and then it's just – it's – co-teaching, it's co-modeling, it's co-planning of lessons. I, I know during COVID, Kenny talked a lot about, you know, a lot of co-planning and co-teaching of lessons because that's what the teachers needed at the time. So I think a lot of the cycle is based on what the teachers need at the time so that we can coach with compassion. You know, we talk a lot about these coaching cycles, and, and we'll, we'll deep dive into that in a little bit here. But one of the things that you bring up in the book is confidence and having the confidence. And 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 by the way, I know we didn't <clears throat> introduce it well enough here, but the book is called Compassionate Coaching, How to Help Educators Navigate Barriers to Professional Growth. Um, we're going to have a, a, a link to all of this. You can go over to teachercast.net slash compassionate coaching. That'll take you directly to the Amazon link to make sure that you guys can pick up your copy. It is a great book. We've had a chance to get a preview copy and look through it. But when it comes to confidence and stuff here, there is a lot about coaching that you have to kind of bypass the imposter syndrome. Traditionally, um, you know, and I love your definition. I am a teacher that does. Because as soon as you walk into somebody else's classroom and say, hi, I'm here to do this, you got to have all the confidence in the world to say, I'm going to stand next to you who's been doing this for 5, 10, 15, 20 years, and I'm going to help you do it differently, do it better, do it gooder. <laughs> Talk to us a little bit about confidence when it comes to coaching. Well, when we lay out um, compassionate coaching focus areas. So when a, a teacher or even ourselves, because Kenny and I have experienced every one of the barriers that we talk about in the book, um, personally and professionally. But when we're looking at confidence, we're, we feel like it's somebody needs that partner um, 
at their side and because they're really saying they don't have the skills to do something well. And so through the compassionate coaching uh, focus, then if we're looking at not that they lack confidence, but we're there to partner with them, um, that will play into that coaching cycle in a deeper way. So if I, think, I was, go ahead, Kenny. Oh, and, and what I was going to say is that with a lot of the teachers that I, I collaborate with, you know, we're usually trying to figure out something together. And so in the book, we talk about like as a coach, if you don't feel totally confident in something, it's a good time to lean into research. And also you're in a partnership with the teacher. So you're kind of approaching it as we're going to find this. We're going to find it out together. We're going to figure out this together. Um, that's a whole different thing than coming in and, and acting like the the total expert in a certain area. Yeah. What were you what saying, a, Susan? I like this part in the chapter that goes along with this, the proactive coaching phrases, as in mm. my preview, I was looking through, and that really stood out to me because, you know, sometimes as coaches or even classroom teachers themselves, we get closed-minded. Yeah, a classroom teacher can get closed-minded about a student, and as a coach, we can get closed-minded as a teacher, and we can say, oh, those teachers aren't ready for that. But then one of the proactive phrases is they're not ready yet, right. and just working their way. So right. you know, if you read the book out there, these proactive coaching phrases are just awesome. And I mean, just reading through them now as we're talking, you know, really right. makes my brain just turn itself around a little bit. Right, right. Oh, nice. so it's really not our place to, I mean, we maybe see a lack of confidence in them. They might have some traits that we are thinking they have lack of confidence, but it's really not our place to name it and say, I see Miss so-and-so, you're lacking confidence in doing the reader and writer workshop. I mean, what we do is we just step in at a deeper level as that partner. Absolutely. Um, and, and keep our mind focused on the good and seeking the good, be a witness of the good that Jim Knight talks about um, so that, we're there to partner with them in a stronger way. Where does the lack of confidence start? Is it the curricular side? You know, you might be a, again, you're a high school coach, Kenny. Um, that doesn't mean that you're a science teacher. That doesn't yep. mean that you're a math teacher, but you are their coach. Yeah. Um, is it a curricular lack of confidence? Is it the I'm 30 something, they're 50 something confidence. And, and you got to do that. Is it the, they've been here a long time and I'm the new guy or, you know, what gives me the right to not be a teacher? And like, where do you guys see where this lack of confidence comes from? Cause I got to tell you, I felt all of those things. <laughs> Are you talking more about from the teacher's uh, pers perspective or the coach's perspective? I, I think from the coaching perspective, oh, I mean, sure, yeah. every, every coach says, I want to do this. And so they apply for a coaching job. They feel confident enough, but then it's that first couple of weeks where you're like, do I just walk into their classroom? Do I not walk into their classroom? Do I, do I say hi? How do I just have the um, chutzpah to walk into somebody's classroom, stand in the back and look at them for a couple minutes and then leave? Well, I don't know if I would do that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, yeah, I mean, I kind of, you know, it's kind of interesting. If I'm going to visit classrooms, um, uh, you know, in bulk like that, I'm going to announce that way ahead of time and give a specific purpose for that visit. And usually if I'm collecting information or data, I make sure that that's 
um, anonymize. Is that a word? It's anonymous. <laughs> let, let me pause you right there. Uh, sure. Yeah. How do you do that? Is that a, a group email to the to the to the staff? Is that a can I get up in front of everybody on a Monday to say, yo, I'm coming in. Everybody's like, what does that look like when you say I'm going to announce something? It really depends on the school. It depends on what access I have to the teachers I'm working with. But yeah, if, if, if preferably I'd like to have an administrator say that we are looking at this and that I will be fulfilling this role in this instance of collecting some information in the school. Now, aside from those instances, I'm, I function more often like a vampire. I will come in when I've been invited. Um, and if I've not been invited, I will do a lot of other types of work, working with PLCs, working in co-planning, all those other things, doing professional development until I can get in and work with teachers. And what I find is it's not hard to work with teachers once you've had some successes because they often will brag about the successes of their kids. Right. And in telling that story, I become a part of that story. And then that gets people thinking, oh, huh. So right there comes one of our major talking points during our tech coach roundtables, right? Yeah. Um, you're nervous to walk into the classrooms. Maybe you're not told to walk. Like maybe you're not invited in. Sure. And as you said, okay, I'm going to switch to leading PLC. Well, who sets that up? Is that, you know, how does I, I, the, the question that on, on the coach's mind is how do you start to make friends? Oh, in, in okay. General <laughs> term, right? Like how do you start to lead PLNs? It's, it's one thing for you to say, oh, I do PD. How do you start the process of that? Is that uh, on you? Is that on the principal? I think it's a joint piece. And actually, yeah. I, I would pull in the teachers in that piece, too, because, um, Jeff, you know I'm from Iowa. And so one of my, my famous things is, you know, we have the field of dreams and the big line of build it and he will come, which often gets transposed to build it and they will come. But I want coaches to build these things together with teachers because to build a PLC, to build a this behind closed doors with the principal, um, then that coach, that tech coach, that look coach, that starts to look like a mini administrator who are just mm. planning some things for teachers. So get them involved. What you know, if it's defining what PLCs are and what they can do, and then have the teachers come up with ways that how can we support our learning and growth? And I think this year is the opportune time for that because we saw massive amounts of growth in technology over the course of the past year. And now we've got a lot of talking points as far as how are we going to use that innovative approach of remote, hybrid, this, that, together with them back face-to-face. -face. We've got a narrative that might need to be shifted because of our experience this past year. You bring up a very good point, right? There are some school districts that are going back full-time. New Jersey, Connecticut, I'm sure other states have already made those decisions. There are going to be some teachers that are going to say, I'm just going back to what I'm used to. <laughs> and I'm sorry, but part of our job description is going to be saying, no, we're going to move forward with all of this stuff. But that's not up to us. You know, one of the things that we've been looking at over the last couple of years is a or last couple of months is a book called Coaching Matters. Mm -hmm. And we've gone through the first couple of chapters and we're going to continue to this school year, too. And, and one of the things that that book really clearly lays out is the success of a coach is 
all dependent on how the position is set up by the administrator, how you have to have what's called a coaching champion to be that mediary between you and maybe your, your principal or, you, you know, you can't be the one to be championing your, pro- your, your program. You're too close to it. Somebody basically needs to be selling you if you want to look at it that way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Talk to us a little bit about that tech coach and administrator relationship i think that that's something that has to be starting like now what's your thoughts on that relationship well i i will say one of the things that that's really important is to meet with that administrator early to get a sense of the administrator's instructional vision for the school and what he or she wants to prioritize in the school and also in that time i think it's important to try to set up some regular meeting times with the administrator. Um, and that way you can keep in constant uh, conversation about the goals they see in the school. Oftentimes I'll have a, an administrator tell me that they feel like this is their particular vision and focus for the school year. And then, you know, nine weeks later, um, they're singing a whole different tune, right? So it's important for me to know that as a coach. So that way I'm working in concert with their vision in some ways. Right. What do those conversations look like? Is that, hey, Kenny, Mr. Principal, um, what's your vision? Or is it, hey, how can I help you? Or is it, hey, I listened to this podcast and this is what they said we should be. (laughs) Like, how do you have those conversations? Well, I I think as far as the, the second, like, how can I help you with your vision is a key um, how can I support you and then come into it as how can you support me as a coach, um, setting up some of those agreements. Um, Joanne Killian has some great resources online as far as principal coach agreements. Uh, I know when I was a coach in a building, uh, the principal would pretty much use my name as a suggestion for teachers. So if there was a teacher that had a a growth area in writing, he might have said, well, I could get you this book. I know uh, I either have it on my shelf. I could, you know, check it out for you somewhere. Um, Oh, by the way, Kathy has done quite a bit with writing. You might want to check with her um, or a colleague down the hall has been doing something with writing, something with technology, whatever it is. And the coach then becomes that suggestion. And chances are they come to the quickest win. Um, and that's probably the coach because they don't have time to sit and read a resource. Um, but the, if I've built good rapport with the teachers, they'll they'll come to me quicker than grab that book off the shelf. One of the things that you talk about in your book is coaching through isolation. Mm-hmm. And this is something I experience a lot. Um, you are the only one in your position in this building. Um, you might be the only coach in an entire district. Um, for me, that's the reason why I started this podcast so I could have other people to talk to so I could have other coaches. And that's why we created our tech coach network, but not everybody has the ability just to start creating Twitter chats and things like that. Talk to us a little bit about what it's like to coach through the isolation, maybe talk a little bit about some of the different resources that are out there and, and and what can a coach do if they're suddenly feeling like 
I need somebody or something to turn to just for my own sanity. <laughs> well, I mean, we, we talked a lot in the book about some of the um, already existing places they can hook into. Obviously, EduCoach chat is um, really important. I started going to EduCoach in 2014 uh, when Kathy, had, they had already been going for three years. And I was at a place where I'd been uh, in my district about four years at that point. And what I realized was that my district really wasn't going to provide me with any more coaching uh, support or professional development. Um, and so I wanted to keep improving my craft as a coach. And I thought that was really important. And um, so I started trying to find ways to do that and just stumbled on the edge coach. So that's always like a, a place that I always want to send people to if they're feeling that. But we also talked about, um, you know, trying to find if there's a, you know, a regional education agency that might be doing something to support coaches in your area. We also talked about, um, you know, trying to see if there's a way for you to attend a conference. Um, there are some good conferences out there that have some, uh, if they're not just for instructional coaches, they have some good, um, you know, instructional coaching kind of threads within them. I will also say that with our book, uh, we'll be having a, a Facebook page as well. That's going to be a place that people could get to and um, they could uh, find some people in that group if they're deciding that they want to read the book. You don't have to read the book to be in the group, but um, it's another place that's going to be available soon. And we will definitely have links to all of those things over on our show notes at Ask Tech Coach episode number 148. Now, Sue, you are one of several coaches in your building. Have you felt, like we have talked about earlier, the imposter syndrome at the beginning of the year? Have you felt isolated? I mean, all these things I know are ringing to me. How do you manage throughout the school year to, to keep moving forward with everything? Well, I'm obviously very involved on Twitter, so, you know, I incorporate a lot of that. And, you know, in the past years, the regional cooperative thing has been very helpful. But, you know, thankfully now I do have more colleagues in my area and I'm more of an advocate in leading them and uh, being the leader there. But like Kenny and Kathy said, just creating that PLN from somewhere, whether it's digitally or whether it's just with some colleagues there at the school and, you know, you being a mentor to some teachers, you know, that can help make you feel less isolated and make you feel supported and feel like you're accomplishing something. Create that rapport and create that relationship and, you know, go for a goal together. One of the things that we talk a lot about and we have at especially as the end of the year came last year was success. How should a coach define success? Is it by teacher? Is it by what they're seeing in the hallways? Is it by, did they survive the year? <laughs> Can you define coaching success? Cause I mean, on one hand, a principal needs to say, this person was justified. Let's bring this person back. On the other hand, you got to leave the school. You're going, did I do a good job? Yeah. And what's my goal? How do I improve? How do, do, can you guys talk a little bit about coaching success and what, you know, what does success look like or what should it look like? And I know everyone's going to be different, but. Well, I, I think that's probably one of the hardest parts about being a coach. You know, when I was a classroom teacher, I could easily tell, you know, when I was doing a lesson, whether it was going well and kids were learning or if they weren't. And I think with coaching is a lot 
um, more difficult to see your progress sometimes, especially because your role spans multiple years and not a single semester or school year like it would when you're in a classroom as a teacher. And so one of the things I think about um, that's helpful for me is I do a coaching feedback survey each um each semester and basically it has the teachers that i've coached um, they will reply to about seven different statements that on a likert scale um, and then they'll give me some um, commentary on what was positive about their work with me or with work or about the coaching program as a whole and what they feel needs to change about the coaching program or me myself yeah, I can I can provide a link to one. We'll certainly put those links out there and all the stuff that we're looking at. I mean, there's a ton of charts and, and figures and stuff in the book over here, Compassionate Coaching, which you can find at teachercast.net slash compassionate coaching. Um, but I like the fact that you're doing that not at the end of the year, but really at the end of the semester. Or, you know, if it was elementary, I might even suggest every marking period, you know, and, and does this go out to everybody? Does this nope. go out to just the ones that you've been focusing on or and, and yeah. who sees that data? Well, that, that data I usually share with my supervisor and my coordinator um, in our that central office. <laughs> well, I've been fortunate that it's usually good. And when it's not, um, I can usually identify w why that is, if I can kind of read from the comments and figure out who might have sent that information. But no, I, I don't find it scary at all. It's it's really helpful for me um, to know um, what's working. And, and I would like to send it out more frequently than I have been, Jeff. I actually feel like it needs to be more frequent. But you run into the danger of sending it out too frequently because you actually have to complete a cycle with somebody for them to actually see the impact with their students, right? So it's kind of, um, I'm still figuring out how frequently to send that out. But yeah, it's, it is really helpful to see um, whether they feel like they've sustained the instructional practices that we've worked on together, whether they've seen an impact on student learning. Those are the most important questions I put on there. But also I have questions like, I see the coach as a collaborator. All that's feedback for me to think about what I could work on. And I like the statements a lot because if one of them is low in particular, that can give me a focus for the next semester. And something I do is like when I'm virtually coaching coaches is they always set a goal for our work together. And so we just together keep track of where they're at on that goal and, mm -hmm. and constantly reflecting on, on where they are at and what the coaching cycle that we are doing virtually is helping. Um, I use a lot of video in my virtual coaching. So they will upload a video perhaps of teaching their, their classroom or if they're a teacher or if they're a coach, they might upload a conversation that they've had with the teacher. And then we can use that data and they can watch their own growth. They might upload one in the beginning and then towards the end of the cycle so that they can see the growth that they've made as a reflective partner. So let's play devil's advocate, Sue, for a second here, because... I want to dive into the concept of coaching models, right? We talk a lot about yes. this on the show. It's easy, I think, for a principal and a coach to say, this is the coaching model. You're going to start, you're going to meet, you're going to plan, you're going to all these different things, right? But then you get to the point where you're actually with a teacher and they say, no, I'm busy, go away. <laughs> 
been there many times. Been there many times, probably been there many times a day, right? So Absolutely. this is where the I think the coaches get frustrated. This is where the, sure. the imposter syndrome. Well, well, if that teacher doesn't want to start with me, and by the way, no, I'm not speaking from personal experiences here. <laughs> that teacher doesn't want to work with me. I must be a bad coach. I must not be good enough for. I must not be. How do you set up the coaching cycle? I, I do not believe this is something that you do a professional development day on and say, this is the coaching cycle. You are going to go through these 900 steps, right? I think it's just something that happens naturally. But is this something where, you know, because it's so often the teacher thinks of you as go fix my technology person mm -hmm. as opposed to the coach. So I guess to make the long story short here, is a coaching cycle or a system of coaching cycles something that is taught to the teachers? Or is that just something that you as the coach have in your back, the back of your head and you're trying to check off the things? Because getting a teacher to work with you once is difficult. Getting them through an entire cycle is difficult. And then I'll even end with a cycle could be one day. A cycle could be six weeks. Yes. And, so, and, no, and, cycles. and, and then, and then think again about me balancing it between multiple schools. Right. Right. So, yeah. And so I, I think everybody's got a different situation. I think context means a lot for a coach here, but, but for me, um, I do try to explain, first of all, I think the coaching menu kind of lays out what the core coaching actions are going to be. That's what Kathy and I talk about in the book, whether that's going to be co-planning or modeling or something like that. However, sometimes you, your role, the cycle is not necessarily what the teacher needs in that moment. There may be a time that you're really just consulting with them or listening to them or suggesting something. Um, that's, you know, I think uh, 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 Killian calls that uh, coaching light, right? And so, but other times it's going to be a little bit more. And I think the teacher will indicate that to you. I think the, the problem I hear, especially with a lot of my um, digital learning facilitator colleagues here in my district, is that often they are seen as the people who are going to fix the technology issue. Um, and they are still working on trying to make sure that the teacher sees them as a, another teacher with a set of skills that they can collaborate with to um, make great progress with students. Uh -huh. And Kenny and I had this discussion because, you know, a lot of my training was on coaching cycles from Jim, from Diane Sweeney. And so I kind of had the, the perfect cycle in my head. But then as we sat down and wrote the first chapter of our book and we started talking about just what coaching cycles look like, you know, Kenny kind of opened up my eyes of just the different avenues that we can go. So it might be setting a goal and then it might be co-planning lessons together. So as I set a goal and I want to infuse technology into those lessons, the coach and the teacher can work through that. And it, they're the partner. Um, and then some reflection, and that might be the coaching cycle. So um, we're not saying the purest is always the way to go. I, I guess we want to coach with compassion and kind of read the teacher and read where they're at and what they need at that point in time and not check all the boxes of every single solitary thing in a cycle that maybe we've heard of. Yeah, it's so, so important that we go back to that age-old statement. It's all about the rapport with the teacher because it's not always going to be the same 
with every teacher and you as the coach. It's going to be different with every teacher and right. it's going to lead you into various and sundry directions. Right, right. And I think, you know, that that's kind of the gist of our book. We we lay out in that first chapter kind of some of the the tenets that we've embraced as coaches and that research supports. Um, but, you know, the, the book is about the fact that dealing with teachers are working through all these different situations. So you've got some teachers that are lacking confidence. You've got some teachers that are dealing with disruption. You've got some teachers that are, um, have just encountered a failure. And so we, you know, posit that we're going to adjust our coaching some to help support the teachers through those barriers that they're encountering. So every coaching, you know, every coaching cycle won't look the same. So and I don't, I, you know, when we think about like the models that we see out there, I, I asked, a, I won't say the name, but I asked a, a fellow author that was a coach, um, you know, what, I always get that question, what model to follow? And she said to me, you know what we did at my school? And I'm like, well, I'd love to hear it so I can help coaches. And she says, we use parts of all of them. So uh, that's, that's working through compassion. It's reading the teacher. It's reading the situation. It's reading the students and what the students need and working through it together. It's just like lesson planning as a teacher. We don't always go by that book, nor should we always right. go by the book, word by word, page by page. I think the most important part is that regardless of whatever the coaching cycle, the coaching interaction looks like, there's some type of reflection at the end. And honestly, I think that's the hardest part for a lot of coaches is nailing down that time with the teacher to actually do that reflective piece. Um, and so I will say that I've run the issue before of not being able to always do that in person, but I always try to at least have a conversation via email or some way. So that way we're not totally moving on without knowing was that impactful or not. I want to wrap up today with a topic that many coaches face, and that mm -hmm. is turnover at the top levels, right? Maybe you're a coach and you have a great principal and you got a good relationship and you come back the next year and there's a new administrator. You guys are laughing. You know what I, where I'm going with this. How does a coach train their administrator? I'm not sure what the right words are here. You can You can help me with this, but how do you say – this is my job. This is what the previous person did. This is a coaching cycle because many principals don't understand coaching. Many yes. principals don't understand the coaching cycle. And how do you not go from this wonderful job that I have and I love and I'm effective with to you've got a new principal and you now are a Google Docs boy? Right. Like, how, how do yeah. you not how do you not suddenly go backwards with your entire building, your entire curriculum just because there's now a new principal. And I know coaching matters says that's where your district comes in and mm -hmm. trains the principals. And I love that system, but if you don't have that, sure. Take it away. I, I mean, I've, I've had that happen so many times now. Um, and, you know, oftentimes I am fortunate that since I work from the district, you know, we have a coaching model that is, um, advocated for by others than than me right but when it comes down to it when teaching just like i have to teach the my colleagues the teachers i work with what my job is 
um, I, I have to teach the principal too. And usually that's part of that first beginning of the year meeting. And I usually will try to open up the conversation of, have you ever worked with a coach before? And then I'll say, tell me about that. What did that coach do? <laughs> because so many people do so many things. Um, and sometimes it's not coaching. And so then what I, I, you know, it's just like if I was working with a student, I was trying to do compare and contrast as my strategy or, or building, you know, uh, the new from the known. I, I would take what they said about that relationship with that coach or whatever they did with them. And I would say, well, I also do this and this and this. However, I do not do that. In addition, I do this. And usually that is really a helpful way to start that conversation. Now, if they've never worked with a coach before, that's actually wonderful because you can. Then you can you, read you have, your description. You have a, that's right. You have a clean right. slate. And well, the, coach, the coach comes in at 10 o'clock in the morning <laughs> and leaves by quarter to one. Yeah. And it's building that rapport with that person. Um you know, I've been in many situations where maybe I was a literacy coach and a new principal came in and didn't have a literacy background. And sure. so the school had been working on a lot of solid literacy uh, techniques. And so I pretty much became the coach for the administrator so mm -hmm. that, you know, if if we talked about those, do I go and do observation things? Well, no, as a coach, I don't typically go and do an observation, just cold observations. That's too administrative look. But I may go on an observation with the principal and then go back to the office and have him or her reflect on what they saw so that we can build their understanding of the literacy process. It goes back to an earlier statement. We're there to support them too. Mm -hmm. And and they may know that they've never worked ha having a coach in the building. And so how can we help them understand the power of coaching? I like that. That's interesting that you said that though. You, you wouldn't walk into a building or you wouldn't walk into a classroom and, and you know, observation clearly doesn't mean evaluation observation but you would do it with a principal wouldn't that then put you as the coach next to the principal and now the teacher looked I, at you I, like yeah i made sure the teachers knew what my role was in that matter and that i was helping the principal understand what was going on in their classrooms because the principal was going in and maybe seeing stuff up on the wall that she thought meant they were doing strategy X, Y, Z, but clearly it, they weren't. Um, so it was more, they were clear. They knew that I was there to help coach the principal. The book is called Compassionate Coaching, How to Help Educators Navigate Barriers to Professional Growth. The authors are Kenny McKee and Kathy Perrette. Guys, thank you so much i promise yes, you this is not going to be the last time you guys are going to be on this show i would love to have you guys come back throughout the year maybe we can take the book and 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 dissect it a little bit throughout the year and if you guys are interested you can head on over to teachercast.net forward slash compassionate coaching that'll take you directly to the amazon page where you can pick it up it is an ascd book kathy you've written a few times now for ascd what is it like working with a fantastic publisher like ascd oh i love it i mean we we have such a great rapport. They've been easy to work with. Um, 
I've different editors each time, so we learn different processes and different techniques, but um, certainly would encourage anybody to look into the organization. I know they're really doing some neat things this year as far as um, kind of upping what they do for teachers, having a lot of, and, and principals and coaches, having a lot of communities, having more engagement with each other besides just their conference. So I, I would look at that as some pretty exciting things coming from ASCD. You can, of course, find more information about that over at ASCD.org. Great organization. I've worked with them for many, many, many years and look forward to it as we go through here. Sue, you know, it just goes to show you it all comes down to having great relationships with your teachers, having great relationships with your principals. And that's what we're going to be focusing on over the next couple episodes here. We're going to be deep diving everything over the next few episodes of how to have those conversations, what to have conversations. We're even going to be releasing our 2021 version of what questions to be asking your yes. principals and teachers and all of that great stuff. We're also going to be wrapping all the stuff up that Kenny had given us. All is going to be on our blog post over at Ask the Tech Coach, episode number 148. And guys, we want to say thank you for taking a moment and checking out this episode of Ask the Tech Coach. We hope you guys are checking out all the stuff over at askthetechcoach.com. And don't forget to head on over to t- teachercast.net forward slash TCN form to join our Tech Coaches Network. We're looking forward to working with you guys and all of your coaches this year as we get ready for a fantastic school year ahead of us. And that wraps up episode number 148 of Ask the Tech Coach on behalf of Kathy, Kenny, and Sue, and everybody here on the TeacherCast Educational Network. My name is Jeff Bradbury. Remember to keep up the great work in your classrooms and continue sharing your passions with your students. You've been listening to Ask the Tech Coach, hosted by Jeff Bradbury of the TeacherCast Educational Network. Please reach out to the show with all of your questions on Twitter at AskTheTechCoach or online at www.askthetechcoach.com. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes. And please take a moment to write a review in the App Store.